Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoik. Welcome everybody to this episode of Behind the Books. Uh, Bob and I are very happy to be back and we hope uh, you enjoy uh, the show that we have put together. As you can tell, we've kind of switched things up. Uh, normally, Bob starts out the program, but we decided to challenge each other to the other's role, kind of a walking in the other person's shoes kind of thing. And right now, I'm kind of wondering um, why we decided to do this, because I feel like I'm fumbling. It's kind of like that, uh, what's that movie when Zac Efron wakes up and he's in his, uh, his dad's in his body, or something like that, right? It's kind of like that. Like Freaky Friday? Freaky Friday or it's one of those things. Being John um, Malkovich? <laughs> so only time will tell whether or not this was a mistake to do this. But I have to tell you, Anna, before we do anything else, I have to confess to a mistake that was pointed out to me in the last episode by one of our loyal longtime listeners. And if people remember, we were talking about Christmas movies and the ones that we liked. And you talked about how... You like Charlie Brown Christmas, and then I talked about how bad I felt when Linus put the bulb on the tree and it fell over, and it was pointed out to me by one of our listeners that it was actually Charlie Brown who puts the bulb on the tree. Linus comes over with his blanket and fixes it. So I wanted to get that out of the way because I couldn't – I don't think I could really concentrate on the rest of the episode until that was fixed. And that's we have... the journalist in you. I think that's the journalist in you. Actually, it's the librarian in you as well. We don't want uh, misinformation out there. Right, and I couldn't, you know, I figured right away we had to get that out of the way, had to fix that, especially since we have two really nice uh, guests on our program today with our staff guest, Marsha Wolf from the Lawrence branch, and our author guest, Scott Rothman, who does picture books. So we didn't want to do them a disservice by having me constantly thinking about the mistake I made on the last episode. I'm very excited to share uh, our interviews today. Uh, Marsha has been someone who I have wanted to talk to for a very long time. Um, And Scott Rothman was great fun to talk to about his picture books. Um, Before we go on, though, I do want to... I'm going to do something, Bob, here. I'm going to say, I know a lot of our staff listen to the podcast, and I'm going to ask uh, if there is a staff member that you really, really want us to interview, shoot us an email so we can uh, talk to that person about interviewing them. I was just thinking about how I've always wanted to really interview Marsha, and I finally got to. Great part of the podcast for those who work with us and listen, getting to know the people around the library system. And speaking of hearing what our co-workers have to say about working at the Mercer County Library System, we're going to be back in one second with our library staff interview. Welcome to the portion of the podcast where we interview a staff member, and today we have the privilege of speaking with Marsha Wolf from the Lawrence branch, Lawrence headquarters branch. Marsha, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, absolutely. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. So if you could give us a little background on what it is exactly that you do at the Lawrence branch and some of the things that you find exciting about 
your position there. Sure. I'm a circulation clerk, a library assistant, whatever you want to call that, sitting at the front desk, standing at the front desk. And I essentially check out books and return books from happy patrons. And they range in age from zero to 95. It's fun to see people who are excited about books because I'm excited about books. So did you, when you, how did you start working at the Lawrence branch? Like, what was it that prompted you to go, to start working there? Well, I've always lived around the corner. In fact, three houses around the corner. And I've been a patron forever and ever and ever when the library was down at the shopping center. Oh, my god! And I've always had a professional position not working at the library, never dreaming of working at the library, always coming to the library, though, like maybe three times a week. So I knew a lot of the people who worked here for a long time. And in my professional role, when I was working full time, I was a healthcare recruiter for Mercer Medical Center, now known as Capital Health System, and then uh-huh. Penn Medicine, uh-huh. Princeton Healthcare System. And I hired mostly licensed people in a highly regulated environment. And I knew a lot of people. Then times changed and COVID came. And I was working a contract position doing mostly social workers, LSWs, LCSWs, LPCs for Kaiser Permanente out in California. It was a remote position at home. And they laid everyone off because people were too scared to go in for mental health. And this was before they really discovered using Zoom or things to continue people's mental health care. So I was laid off. But in that process, during that time, I started working part-time because I really was burnt out from being a recruiter. So I filled out an application. I said, where do I want to work with my life? What do I want to do? And I filled out an application. And the next day was the annual cookie exchange for Christmas time. And who was there but a longtime employee of the library, Laura Narasik. And I told her I thought I applied. And she told the manager that I was a good catch. And here I am. But Lauren Rossick is like our own little recruiter because you know what? She you is. Bob, you and Bob have something in common. She oh. recruited me for the library. So we have to thank her. Maybe we'll name this episode after her. You know what? Mm-hmm. Hearing hearing your background, it totally makes sense because you are one of the most helpful people ever. Because when, when I've been in the Lawrence branch, I feel like you're right there to get me to where I need to go. And you know what I wanted to talk to you about was you – you staff the mini desk sometimes, don't you? For those for those who don't know that what the mini desk is, we should probably give them a little background that there's like a, a second entrance, correct? Certain times of the day to Lawrence, and there's a nice person always there, ready to help you and do you know check in, check you in, check you out, point you in the right direction. It's a kind of a unique feature to the Lawrence branch. It is. It's somewhat on the lower level, you would say. We're open from ten till two, Monday through Friday. And it's nice for people who know that they are looking for fiction. Yes. Science fiction, mystery, large print, because it's all right downstairs. And they don't have to navigate the stairs or the ramp up at the main entrance. So with your background and when you when you came into the library, was there something, because it's kind of funny, because you kind of think you know what it's going to be like working at a library, right? I mean, we all have that in our mind. But what was something that kind of surprised you about working at the library? Well, interestingly, I didn't really get to know the library very well. I I worked six days, and then the library was closed for COVID. 
and then I got to know my coworkers pretty well because we were always in the back processing book returns. When we finally reopened, that's when I got to see patrons on a regular basis. And that's probably the most interesting thing is seeing the same patrons coming in day after day after day. I was probably one of them, but I never thought about myself <laughs> that way. But but there are people who come in and they use the computers, then they use the newspapers, and maybe they'll read a magazine, and it's a lot of the same people day after day after day. And I think that's actually a great thing. But I think it's interesting to hear, because I love how you have alluded to how the library has become a part people's routine. I know that's something we see, like every Wednesday, we see the same, you know, some of the same people coming in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and you become part, in a way, you become a part of each other's lives, kind of, you know, checking in. Yeah, well, it's grandma's bringing in um, grandchildren to mommy baby time, dance time, story time. To stay current, we're actually right now in the process of having two Zoom rooms built. And that is an answer to requests from patrons over and over in the past few years where can I sit quietly and have a conference call and we don't really have a place and now we will have two with glass that's doors awesome. and you reserve it mm -hmm. it's very awesome now that's still in development though right that has not opened up yet correct I just okay. saw I saw the door frames being installed this week so soon one of the things like you do that I also do working at circulation is and you kind of alluded to it, you get to know the people as they come in and kind of get to know what they like to read. Have you mm -hmm. found that, that there's certain patrons that you come in and like, if they're reading something, then you think, oh, I should probably read that too, because you have like similar tastes all or you're able to recommend things to them? Yes. Yeah. yes, all day. And I'm constantly putting books on hold or writing things down, checking to see if they're on Libby. I prefer to listen to books. And I've lived here my entire life, so I know a lot of the people who come in here. And I, it's just fun to catch up with people, even if it's for a minute. I've just recently become a fan of the audiobook. It is, I feel like I could fold laundry forever if I had an audiobook on. Mm -hmm. It does make things rather painless. When I walk my dog, I listen. I actually listen to the podcast. I listened to Molly this morning. I love your podcast. Thank you for oh, having Molly me. Molly Rayano. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. She was lovely. <laughs> Well, the neat thing I, I think about the podcast as an employee, a worker, is that even if you listen to the first 10 or 15 minutes, you can get to know other, your coworkers who work in other branches where you might never get a glimpse of who they are or what they're about. Yeah, I think it's, it's cool. It, I got to know well, a lot of the people I work with better. Yeah, that's one of the, I feel like that's this lovely perk that Bob and I get as well, because we, I feel like we are at this advantage to get to meet all these people through. I mean, there's like, what, 200 people in our organization. Um, wow. So it's fun. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> How about for yourself? Are there things that you like to, to, to read? Do you have a, like a genre that's your favorite or do you just, or I should say in your case that you like to listen to? Well, both. I, I, I read a lot of historical fiction. That's probably my favorite. Um, I don't like sad sagas. Life is already tough and miserable and sad at times. Not that historical fiction isn't that. I just finished reading Little Liar by Mitch Ablam. It's a short story, short book, mm. I should say, a Holocaust book, but of a different angle, Annihilation in Greece. Interesting. I like 
um, Kristen Harmel, Fiona Davis. I used to love to read Maeve Binchy, that's saga type of stuff. I named my son after her husband. Well, we've been speaking with Marsha Wolf from the Lawrence branch. Thanks so much for taking time. It's been great to get to know about what you do at the library and your path to the library. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Welcome back, everybody. Before we start talking about the programs that are going to be coming up, I do want to thank Marsha for taking time to talk with us today. It was great fun. Uh, Bob, I know you're going to share some of the virtual programs and this whole swap about thing that we're doing, but I do want to make sure before we do that, that we let everybody know that the winter reading program is going to be starting on the 18th. Um, and again, this is for all ages. Bob and I always talk about how it's not just for um, the grade schoolers or for the littles, it's for everybody. Um, and that is going to start on December 18th and it is going to go through January 20th. And I will put a link in our show notes so people can access additional information as well as uh, and to see how they can register for the program. We do have one virtual program coming up that I wanted to talk about, and it is on Wednesday, December 13th at 7 o'clock. Concussions in Youth Sports, which will be presented by Kim Myers, who is a community outreach specialist from the Brain Injury Alliance, and it's going to promote awareness of concussions and its impact on young athletes and strategies that prevent some of the things that concussions and what to look for in terms of the symptoms. You can register for that online at mcl.org. So Anna will leave a link in the show notes if you're interested in that. And it's something that I would uh, highly recommend to parents of young athletes because Anna, you and I were talking about it a little bit before the episode, how, you know, we're a little older than the youth athletes of today. Just a there little. Is, <laughs> there is so much more awareness about concussions and, noticing the symptoms i think i mentioned to you that you know when i was a kid if if you banged your head you know somebody would hold up a couple fingers and say how many fingers and if you got the answer right they were like you're fine go back in and and play or whatever but it's not like that now it's i think it's great the precautions that they take and they train the athletes and the coaches and the officials all to uh, be aware of what concussion symptoms look like Absolutely. And I think that people, when they think of concussions, they think of like football or soccer or, and I was telling uh, Bob that my older son, who is a swimmer, he had to do uh, impact testing um, to make sure to, for a uh, concussion. So again, I think there's such a greater awareness of uh, concussions and I think this is this is a program that I hope to go to um, just again, because I do have a child who's involved with sports. And it's not just, as you said, it's not just football or hockey or some of those sports with a lot of contact that you think that you could get a concussion. You know, you could be a swimmer doing the backstroke, not knowing where the wall is. Next thing you, you know, your head count. is boom. <laughs> lose right? count from those flags. Yeah. Divers who hit their head on the on the board. You know, all, just about every sport. Basketball, you know, people are diving for the loose ball. And next thing you know, they're banging their heads together, hitting their yes. head on the floor. I think it's going to be a great program and people should check it out on December 13th. And Anna, and speaking of basketball, 
kind of leads us into our next author, right? That's why I think you're better at this the, the way we normally do it. Because yes, yeah, speaking of basketball, our next author is Scott Rothman, and we're going to talk about his uh, latest picture book, Basketball Town. Scott Rothman is a writer of kids' picture books, screenplays, and humor pieces. His debut book, Attack of the Underwear Dragon, and its sequel, Return of the Underwear Dragon, were both national indie bestsellers and are being developed into a musical kids' TV series. Scott's humor writing has appeared in The New Yorker, GQ, and McSweeney's, and his latest book, Basketball Town, came out in September. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot that we want to get into with you, but... I kind of wanted to start off with the the latest book, Basketball Town. Can you give us maybe a little sneak peek at what the book's about and how you came about putting it together? Uh, absolutely. It's about a, so my son's name is Maxwell, and he's a huge basketball fan, as is his older brother, Cole. And they both play a big part in in that book. But it's basically about a kid who loves basketball, dreams about basketball, every night and to the point where the next one morning he wakes up and he's actually in what is called a fantasy basketball land called basketball town where there's like basketball uh waterfalls and rainbows all made out of basketballs and people are playing basketball all day long and and it's just a absolute wish fulfillment for any kid who who loves or even likes uh basketball so was it a story that kind of like that that kind of germinated um for something that happened with your son or was well, I mean where did you get the idea for for basketball town well I'm a huge sports fan and my sons uh thankfully have gifted me with the joy of them becoming huge sports fans as well so they play kind of all the sports and basketball was they used to be obsessed with soccer and then they moved on to basketball and the other thing they were fans of, at least when they were little, they've gotten a little bit older now, is me reading to them every night. And I was looking for sports themed books, specifically basketball themed books, and couldn't find any picture books about basketball. And then I had this genius idea I said, wait, I write picture books. <laughs> Maybe I could write a picture book about basketball and and solve this problem. So I'm not sure I solved the problem, but I, I definitely wrote a picture book about basketball with the intention of uh, finding other kids like my sons who were, you know, into in, into basketball specifically and sports in general and were uh, lacking um, books out there for them. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that the whole sports aspect of it, because looking at the book, it's there's so much there to me, there's a bigger message there. It resonated with me because I have two sons and we're always talking about practicing um, whether, and, and honestly, you know, what it went back to is my younger son learning to tie his shoes and practicing <laughs> to tie his shoes. I'm serious. Right, right. And just how, I mean, no one really enjoys learning how to to tie their shoes, but I, it still comes back to these days. I mean, even when he's doing something he loves, like he does plays now, like practicing his lines and like the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. So that really is kind of this underlying message in this book that you wrote. It's not, I mean, there's the sports aspect to it, of practice, but it's such a bigger picture. 
I think that's the appeal for sports and something I didn't really, you know, I grew up playing all the sports and I, as a fan, watched all the sports, but I not until I had kids that I realized kind of the importance of sports as not just a distraction or escape, but as like a tool for learning life lessons as, as you're talking about. I mean, that's applicable to my life even today, practicing and um, failing at things and not being great at them at first and realizing like if you stick to it and you practice and you keep, I, that was my journey as a, as a writer. Um, I was really terrible, not to say I'm great now, but I was really terrible at writing picture books, kind of surprisingly, at least to me at first. And, you know, I just got it in my head. I wanted to get good at this. And the only way to do that is by practicing and writing terrible draft after terrible draft of terrible book ideas, but slowly and surely you start to figure something out. Um, and that's as true in sports as it is in life. And I, I really believe that is the importance of, of putting kids in sports, not to say that that's for everyone. It can be theater, it can be whatever, but learning that at a young age, I wish I had learned it <laughs> at, a, at a younger age. I, thankfully, I, I eventually did learn it. Um, and hopefully, yeah, that is one of the, the takeaways from this book. Well, and you kind of alluded to it as well, but you made the transition because you were writing uh, magazine articles and you were doing screenplays. How did that transfer over to picture books? I had always wanted to write picture books. I'd sort of just forgotten that I did for 30 years and did all these other things. As a kid, I wrote a picture book when I was... 11 years old, I think. And my buddy Keith um, illustrated it. And it was about a kid who wakes up with a bump on his head and spends all day trying to figure out where it came from. Um, you know, turns out he like knocked it on a door, but it, it was awful, but it was adorable because I wrote it when I was 11. And I really just always loved uh, reading as a kid. And then um, particularly picture books. And then when I had kids, as I was sort of like mentioning before, you know, they loved being read to at night and I loved reading to them. And I was on another track. I was a professional writer of sorts for film. And uh, I was writing some humor pieces for magazines. And all of a sudden I re-remembered the joy of picture books specifically. And that this, this was something that I had dreamed of doing. And as I said, you know, at first I was really bad at it. I was I was surprised because I had done all this other writing and I realized it's a very specific, unique kind of skill and that that was something I needed to learn. And, yeah, my kids sort of reawakened that in me. Um, and I'm so thankful that they did. Good reason to have kids. <laughs> I mean, there are other reasons, but that was a good <laughs> professional reason. Yeah. So what do you do you think the is you're talking about how it was kind of surprising how challenging it was? Do you think it was because when I think of a picture book, I do think it's. It is surprisingly difficult. I mean, your word choices have to be conscious, right? Like you have to yeah. make conscious word choices. I mean, was that what it would they do kind of sit there like, I've written screenplays, this will be no problem, you know, 50 words tops or whatever. I mean, was that kind of the that you have to write it so succinctly? A hundred percent. Like that, you know, in a screenplay or in a magazine piece or something, you have all these words that you can kind of waste words in picture books, you can't waste words. Like they, there's, they're less than 500 words. At least that's, that's my goal when I, I set out. And, and that was kind of like the industry standard, at least when I was starting to do this. So you really have to 
key in on on which words you're using and and that's a part of it but you know just to go back to um what you were asking about before bob i you know i i felt pretty good that i knew how to more or less tell a story with a beginning middle and end and that's applicable to kind of anything and i think i and i've always been pretty good at at least generating ideas. I'm not sure all the ideas are great, but I, I, I've never had a problem coming up with ideas for movies or or, or pieces or um, as it stands now, like uh, book ideas, but bringing sort of the, what I thought was funny or interesting in a picture book idea to life was a whole different story. And I'm, I'm not sure I have a specific, something I can point to specifically that, that kind of where the wires got crossed but you know it was also very much figuring out how to speak to that audience to to kids i had the what i always say is like this unfair competitive advantage that i had a focus group in-house you know i had my two sons and daughter at the time it's been a little while she's 15 now but at the time she was reading picture books and i could bounce ideas off of her redraft to her and and she would respond and I would ask her all these questions, which was fantastic. And that really helped me hone in on on, you know, I think I was writing to make their parents laugh, which still remains important to me. But finding a way to make them the kids laugh along with their parents, that that definitely took a little while. And there was so much nuance to it. And yeah, you know, like realizing like words, ma word choice matters <laughs> and that each word you choose has to do a lot. And if it's not, it has to go. And yeah, just the 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 simplicity of a picture book, hopefully, you know, not just entirely focusing on making kids laugh, but but finding a little heart in there as well. The other thing I wanted to mention or talk to you about too, is that you seem like you have a very good working relationship with Pete Oswald, the illustrator of many of your books. Is that something where you two knew each other? Because I know in, in talking to other picture book authors, sometimes they don't even know who's going to be illustrating their books. But yeah. is that something like you two knew each other ahead of time and, and seemed to work well together or you just kind of, they put you together? Yeah, it was pure dumb luck. You know, so I, I was, telling you guys about this period where I was writing terrible picture books that no one wanted and no agents wanted to represent me. Um, and then, you know, through not unlike the main character in Basketball Town, through trial and error and practice and practice, I was able to finally write something that I thought was halfway decent. And that was this book, Attack of the Underwear Dragon. It was a, a different um, uh book when it started but the underwear dragon was always a part of it and my agent at the time had the was, was great idea of pairing me with uh, Pete Oswald who would by that time was already Pete Oswald our, our agents knew each other and they spoke and um, I, I think one of the great joys of my creative life was when you know I just wrote the two words underwear dragon next to each other, not knowing I don't draw at all. I have I had no idea what that would possibly look like. And I think my agent said, Hey, what do you think about Pete Oswald? Do you think he'd be good for this? I was like, are, are you kidding me? Like, you know, <laughs> I probably knew like five illustrators at the time. That was like one of them from, because my kids were big fans of the bad seed books. And I, I love um, Jory John's books and overnight, 
Pete drew the underwear dragon and it, it was exactly like how he appears in the books now. Um, and it was just remarkable. It, it really like turned the light on, on the possibilities of how great this, this kind of having a career in this would, would kind of be that collaboration. Um, and I just got completely lucky that Pete was the first one. I think Pete's like, if not the best guy out there doing it, you know, one of the best illustrators out there doing it. And, and he's equally as great a guy. And that I, I think very, you know, I, I didn't know differently. I just thought everyone gets paired with Pete Oswald and you go and, you know, you, <laughs> you makes this amazing book and that's just how it's going to happen every time. And that's not, uh, that's not how it happens apparently every time. And I don't get to know all my illustrators, even though, um, all the illustrators I've worked with. And, and, um, I, 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 I hate that. Like, I, I, I think that's a real weird part of, of doing this, but, um, they've all been great, but because of the success of Underwear Dragon, and then, uh, because of that, we were able to work together on a few other things. We are developing this TV show together. So I've ended up becoming very friendly with Pete and I, he's just as great a guy as he is an illustrator and so, so talented. And I'm just very lucky to, uh, to have Pete Oswald in my life. You know, what just kind of hit me is that, and I'm, I'm probably not the first person to come up with this, but you are like the ultimate partner because you think about it, you're writing your picture books and you're doing the words, but you're partnering with an illustrator to bring that, you know, to bring the full package to life. And it's kind of the same thing with the screenplays that you've done, right? I mean, you're creating the words and, and kind of the screen, the screenplay, but then there's other people involved that are bringing the full production to life. So like, you're like the ultimate partner. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'm not sure <laughs> if uh, my my partners would agree, but uh, I hope they would. Um, but it's a really uh, a great observation, and you're absolutely right. I do think screenwriters are uniquely um, set up for success in this field because you know, like in screenwriting, you get beaten. Like no one cares about you at all. You know, like and and that's not true, thankfully, in picture book writing. But you sort of get it, like. I, I I keep going to the word beaten out of you, but but that's not exact. It's not as 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 harsh as that. But you're kind of used to collaboration, and you're used to painting a picture that someone else has to finish um, and and bring to life. And that's entirely what um, these picture book collaborations are. And it's in, it's a huge huge reason why. I feel so lucky that I stumbled into this and found this with the help of my kids who sort of like pointed, unknowingly pointed me in this direction. But it's been one of the joys of of my life that I get to, you know, I, I have a stack of screenplays and I, I sold a bunch of screenplays, luckily, but a lot of them never get made. And I've only had a few get made and they come out, you know, a little differently than what you expect. And, and that's, you know, par for the course. But with this, I, I, it feels like I'm working with the best directors. You know, I keep writing these scripts, which are these picture books. And then the best directors on the planet uh, get to bring them to life. And, you know, I have six books out there now. I have about that many coming and hopefully that much more out of that. And, and, and like, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just really love making things and trying to entertain people. And the fact that I get to do that more with these books 
is incredibly satisfying. And I, I but you, but you're absolutely right. Screenwriters are, I think, uniquely qualified um, to uh, to be doing this. We've been talking with Scott Rothman about his latest book, Basketball Town, and about his journey through picture writing. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us, and we wish you nothing but continued success down the line. Thanks so much. This is really fun. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much to Scott Rothman for taking time to talk with Bob and I. What a great conversation. I mean, he just him talking about the partnerships that he has with the illustrators, I found really, really fascinating and how that kind of ties into his screenplays that he does. You know, we're here, he, he has this creation and then he's basically giving it to someone else to to fill out that picture, to fill out that creation. Um, so I just thought, I thought that whole aspect was just so fascinating and how he's is so involved in that. And I like the fact that he, you know, talked about how he grew up as a sports fan and he's got a couple of sons and a daughter and, and his sons are really into sports and basketball. And, and he, he had that part where he talked to us about how, you know, he would read to his boys and he was wished there were picture books about basketball. And then he, had like the light bulb go off over his head where he said, wait, I write picture books. <laughs> so he came up with a picture book about basketball, which is a very good book if you get a chance to take a look at it. And he's just, you know, not just that book, but also his underwear dragon books yes. and some of the other stuff he's done. I mean, he, he just does a really good job of providing books that I think appeal to both the kids and the parents. So he does he does a real good job with what he does. I do want to encourage our listeners to check out Scott Rothman's picture books. Uh, Basketball Town is very good. Uh, the Underwear Dragon, he has a couple of them now, and they are hysterical and just beautifully illustrated and just written wonderfully. So I do hope that people check those out. Uh, and then, of course, we I'd be remiss if we didn't thank Marsha for taking time to talk with us today. As I said before, she is someone who I've been wanting to interview for quite a while. Uh, and I just thought it was great fun talking to her about how she had been a lifelong user of the Lawrence branch, like back in the day when it was at the shopping center. Um, so just kind of talking to her and, and how she got there. I just thought it was a lot of fun. And Anna, she was another person. And I love when we talk to the to the people who work at the library, who was a longtime patron who found out how much they enjoy working at the library, right? Like, I think that's great that we have people that are working here who also, if they weren't working here, they'd still be here, right? They'd still be in utilizing everything that we have. And she's one of the many that we've talked to over the, the course of the podcast who, you know, came in as a patron and now is working here and, and really enjoying it. That's very true. And it, yeah, that's very true that we've had quite a few of those people who started out as patrons and are now uh, on staff. Well, once again, we want to thank... Marsha Wolf and Scott Rothman for being guests on today's podcast and continued good luck to both of them and everything that they do. And it's been a lot of fun, role reversal, freaky Friday, whatever you want to call it. And we'll be back in two weeks, maybe, maybe not in the same role. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik, 
Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.